theme music for this one because we're doing a little special bonus pod. We've had about a fortnight to digest probably one of the most important film releases of the year, Blade Runner 2049. Certainly probably one of the most anticipated and talked about and then yeah. critically acclaimed, but not going down too well with Johnny Who cares? Public. Johnny yeah. Public doesn't doesn't give a damn. He don't pay my wages. Yeah. So. so it was weird, like kind of what first, obviously we had, um, we'd known about it for a long time, uh, Dallas Villeneuve directs Blade Runner 2049, which is kind of funny because the first film was set 2019, wasn't it? Yeah. So you're kind of like, um, oh, look at all the shit that didn't happen, but whatever. What I do love about... I feel like we're not that far away from <laughs> from 2019 now. Like, yeah. I mean, from the depiction of 2019 yeah. in this film. With the exception of the flying cars, I think all the environmental stuff, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, give Elon Musk another couple of years and you never know. Uh, What I do love about it, I'll say, to start is um, how the future is a kip. And Ridley Scott is a big proponent of this. We saw it in Alien and with Blade Runner, he directed the first Blade Runner. The future is all like overpopulated, crowded. And I love that with future sci-fi. I was like, I hate these ones where it's all everything's slick and clean. You're like, because... White, yeah, the Apple version of the future. I'm not into it. I'm more into... That's, you know, yeah. Um, what was the other one? District 9, that kind of shit. Like, yeah, stuff know? breaking. Yeah. yeah, weird mechanics uh, rather than kind of biomedical mm. future. Yeah. So I suppose, how spoiler heavy are we going on We're this? Going, this will be a complete spoiler film podcast Hello. because like, who cares? It's, it's been, been out, out two, two weeks. weeks. So obviously, for some reason, you haven't seen the first one and that's fine, but I don't really know why you're listening to our podcast. Yeah. Um, or if you are undecided about if you need to see... 2049 then i think there's a showing at 11 minutes to nine um in your local cinema so yeah. do you get it 2049 very good yeah. so before i got to see the press screen of this um or one of the one of the pre-screenings for it and uh the guy on a monday night though having like they put it on yeah and they got all the journalists lots of fans mm. lots of and some broadcaster winners. guy was there doing like from spain or 98 and he read out a letter from dallas villeneuve to be like don't talk about the film blah blah and i was like do you think you're fucking Alfred Hitchcock or something? Like, what's going on here? Mm. Like, that was really insulting because, like, you're not intentionally going to go and spoil a film, but now you've said this, I kind of want to go and scream from the... It's like, so don't what, touch the red button. But what's the central thing that you would spoil? Like, if Harrison Ford wasn't in the publicity, that would probably be it, but he's I suppose all the whole thing it. with the kid, maybe? Like, that would be a big what, central thing. the main thing. spoiler? That there is a kid? Oh, that, 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 that there's a pregnancy in the film? Yeah, yeah, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, okay. Stuff like that. And if you wanted to go super... You know, it's very obvious, like it's not, it wasn't too obvious from the film, but like five, six minutes in, you're aware that Ryan Gosling is a droid and you're like, oh, yeah, right. replicant. It's on yeah. the, it's in the pre-title bit. Yeah. So you're kind of like, all right, enough. cool. Um, and, yeah, so- yeah, and, and I suppose in fairness, like a lot of journalists and, and reviewers did re- abide by that for the first kind of week. Like Kermode just went fully, I'm not going to say anymore. And he was like, you haven't really said anything. touched anything. So. Yeah, so uh, Ryan Gosling plays K, bit of an odd Philip K. Dick, author of The Android Stream of Electric Sheep, what it's all based on. And then we have Robin Wright, who plays uh, Lieutenant Josh, who's his boss. And it's Ryan Gosling's job to go out and kill old replicants who are have escaped, have come back from the off-worlds or off-planets, or the colonies, can't remember what's called, yeah. and have come back to Earth and are trying to like just lead, lead their life and not do, you know... Yeah, not anyone. do any damage, mm. but just they're there and that's a problem but people are from an freaked out about it so yeah. it's his job to go out and kill it and it starts with him going to retire a robot uh, or droid and the guy's like you've never seen a miracle and he's just like oh what the fuck whatever so he notices a tree and uh, when he's it's out played by Bautista 
Ah, cool. I Dave know Batista that. from Guardians of the Galaxy, former WWE World Heavyweight Champion. You didn't know that. No, I did not. He was very good. I loved his glasses. He's quite the homunculus. And he was cook- cooking in it. Mm. So um, then when Ryan Gosling's kind of wrapping up the scene, he notices there's a tree there and there's a flower beside it. And he gets his redrawed buddy to take a screen of the whole thing and he notices a big box. In the big box is uh, remains of a skeleton that has died, we learned, during childbirth. And then the big thing is that it actually turns out... Yeah. Like, what was that In bit? the worst moment, they probably wanted... It's a fantastic film. We're going to come to ratings later on, but Ryan Gosling is there with, like, a trained... Um, Mortician or mort- Yeah, doing the autopsy. He's just, like, a Blade Runner. He is not some sort of super yeah. human thing. He just says, no, excuse me, buddy. Fuck off out of the way. Move, yeah. out, move on out of the way. Enhance. Zoom. 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 Yeah, look. I found a barcode. I found a barcode on, on the pelvis. Like, yeah. And you're just like, oh. Um, then shock like, her. It's really that's a standard thing that all replicants are issued with this barcode. And now he's like, yeah, like, why didn't you see that? Yeah. That's, a, that's a plot hole. That was a bit stupid. So then it's just like, oh, my God. Uh, replicant had a child. This can't happen. It can't get out there. So. Yeah, because this was it. It came mm. out that she died in childbirth. And had a cesarean section. They could see mm. the scratches. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was revealed first. Oh, this person died of um, while during a cesarean section. There must be yeah. a child. Okay. And then it was like, actually, this wasn't a person. This is a replicant. Yeah. So, so then Robin Wright is just like, this can't get out. The world will freak out if this happens. You have to go and destroy all evidence of it whatsoever. So then... She's brilliant in it. Yeah, she is good. And like, we'll kind of get on to the women thing in a minute. So Ryan Gosling then goes to... Um, the Wallace Corporation, which is making all these, you know, AI and drones, whatever you want to call them, and replicants, and to try and figure out who this person was. And he comes across Joy, who's played by Anna de Armas, and she's kind of like Jared Leto, who plays like Neander Wallace, the CEO of the company. She she is like his servant and his henchwoman. It turns henchwoman, out. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I suppose that's not apparent. Yeah. Yeah. So a then, bit like Rachel in the first film, kind of. Yeah, to a degree, but not as kind of. She's a lot more hardcore in this. So then the kind of story unravels, and it's like Ryan Gosling trying to get the bottom of who this kid was. Was it actually given, like, was it a replicant? What happened? Um, and Joy is then kind of his shadow because Jared Leto was just like, you need to keep on top of this guy. So this is when it turns into a real kind of film noir, 1940s, like two people are after the same thing. They're going to the same clues, same people trying to get everything, yeah, wrap like it up. A, not so far off a Western, like, mm. you know, so um, looks absolutely incredible. Got to see it in IMAX wasn't 3D, thankfully, but is seemingly only 3D IMAX now. Yes. Um, but when I was kind of thinking back, when I realised it was in 3D, there was not too much from like, oh, because you get these obvious, but like, oh, there's a 3D movement when someone throws something at the screen. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, but looks amazing. The soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, visually stunning. Incredibly slow paced, but didn't drag. Like, it's two hours and 40 minutes. And it kind of has that thing, same thing from the first film where it is, it's quite slow paced. It's like, going along did have flaws with it for me but I know do you want to talk what you thought about it first and then we can get into the negatives of it or um, no yeah I would as an experience fantastic there's a few points in it um, yeah I think we can do it. like Roger Deakins did cinematography if he doesn't win an Oscar for it then like there's clearly something wrong with the system but yeah I was uncomfortable with one or two bits in it. like actually it's probably I, I give it four out and a half out of five I give it four you give it four yeah. so but as an experience it's unlike 
uh, seen anything else I've seen in cinema in such a long time. Like, this is not a film to be watched on your phone. No, or on the, the airplane on the forty-six A. Yeah. yeah, or in in four-three cropped uh, version on a head on a headrest in your on your airplane. Um, it's very important that you see this in the right kind of cinema. Like, so I saw it in the three D one in the IMAX, which was kind of it was bright, it was sharp, it was good. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it has been like IMAX is the right format for it. a lot of it's scaled up, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But I, it was only one scene that like really annoyed me. Apart from that thing, Ryan Gosling, and that's the surrogate surrogacy sex scene mm. that he has. So he has a yeah. he has a kind of a Joy. Sorry, who's played by yeah Anna. Uh, Anna Armas. Armas Sorry, yeah. Love is the the kind of hardcore robot person yeah. played by Sylvia Hooks. Oh yeah. So, so she yeah Joy is his kind of companion, and I thought that was very very interesting. I really enjoyed it. Like he just comes home from work, and her only role she's a, like a, a, holog- a hologram, and her only role to. is to just make him feel good and tell mm. him he's great. And she'll instantly flick through all her like fantasy outfits, and I thought that was brilliant. But then it gets to it's a like point... like a fleshed out version of her. Yeah, I thought it was a bit weak then, like, that this woman who actually is part of a resistance... Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis, yeah, is yeah. part of a resistance. And she ends up... What's her name? Marietta. Marietta. Like the yeah. biscuits. Yeah. Like the biscuits. So she then... She's a prostitute and she sleeps with him, but the hologram kind of embodies the thing and the it lingered just a little bit I didn't like how it was shot I thought it was weird I've read a lot about that scene and a lot of people are like no that's not like that's not like a sexist kind of scene it's oh just, that was kind of, yeah like that I, is kind of weird to me the whole the, the depiction of women in it is really weird and like the, to me the sleaziest bit in it is there's a bit when Jared Leto um, uh, a woman is born uh, is born and it's like I as an applicant yeah. as an adult replicant yeah. comes out of this big um, sack and she's all covered in slime and I hate Jared Leto in this and I think he's yeah. one of the worst things in it as just with as Suicide Squad yeah, last year monotonous monologues and like soliloquies and you're like shut up and piss off and he's kind of coming over and he's like all gropey with the woman and it's just it's really and then kills her yeah it's just like yeah. oh like it's just the yeah. and then there's loads of bit with Joy kind of like the worst bit is when she's 50 foot tall and yeah. you're, you're just a bit like this really weird. This is weird. So I did. I, and then read a bit more about it and thought about it. And but then at the very end. It's a woman like so. OK, so the central thing that the 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 child Deckard and Rachel had a child. Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford's in it, by the way. <laughs> Harrison <laughs> Ford's in this one. <laughs> and they had a, uh, two children. No, no, one, one sorry, one, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I thought that twist was actually fairly well worked in. And you're like, oh, OK. And the whole premise is that all replicants have this memory seeded into the back of their mind where they could actually think that they can be the salvation. I thought mm, I, was, mm. I thought that was fantastic. I really liked that philosophically and everything. But her as a woman, I was like, is she actually like, is there like some sort of like a feminist angle because it's a woman who lets the men die on her behalf and then she's the like because but the she's, daughter she's not in the film and enough she's in con- no, and but she's, she's in control and she reigns at the end so and, I do wonder but there's too much of the other stuff and like there's like um, I'd say an argument would be that Love uh, who's played by Sylvia Hoax is a real badass and blah 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 yeah. but like she gets strangled to death by Ryan Gosling in a really kind of full on you're just like oh god yeah. and Robin Wright gets dispensed in a really horrible way so there is that still kind of like generic murdering of women yeah and I, I see what you're saying with the, the kind of... The I just wondered about it. Just as one kind of thing. And yeah. Um, yeah. 
and and there's certain there's nice kind of we talked about mother in the last podcast with the fun biblical things and Ridley Scott likes the Bible as well mm. and like I think there's a you can read a bit into this as well um, yeah in terms of Old Testament themes but I think it's very much everyone on everyone's mind at the moment like we can't I suppose have a film podcast and not talk about Harvey Weinstein we'll, we'll shoehorn it in here because like it's just so it's everywhere now where it's just like this is yeah the you're looking at films in a different kind of way wondering about. When a when a woman is in a compromised position in a yeah is this really like, necessary is this really like the decisions were made to do this and you're like does it progress the story is it sleazy like it's just kind of horrible and the stuff is continuously I see Quentin Tarantino actually broke a silence and come out to dinner and it's like yeah I, I knew a lot about this but I didn't think it was was that serious and all this I think yeah. well he's a bit of a sleaze ball himself we have possibly speculated that for a long time yeah. Um, libel, slander, um, but you know he's mad into feet. <laughs> yeah, like so, it's not necessarily surprised to me that he they did put a lovely, horrible photo of Quentin Tarantino up on the BBC when they were um, revealing the, the thing came up. So he's got this like his hair is all like slicked back and like palmed and everything. You're just like, oh, he just looks like a creep. Yeah, well, he kind of looks a bit like that at the moment as well. Anyway, but yeah. yeah, I it's very sad. I think the Harvey Weinstein stuff that. Now, once one person speaks out, all of a sudden, loads of people feel empowered to do so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if it takes down the Weinstein company as an entity, like you can see a lot of actors and actresses um, probably want wouldn't like to sign up to work. Um, no, for the Weinstein yeah, company. So the likes of Channing Tatum, George Clooney, who've mm. done a lot of work on that side, they'll probably be like, no, I'll just work for someone else. Like, and I the, imagine our last project's going to get shelved now, yeah, or like yeah. the, co- the company's probably going to have to get dissolved and be called something else. Yeah, like, and his brother, I think, this questions over oh, what his Bob knowledge. Weinstein knew, mm. um, obviously, and he decisively took action in removing him from the board, but I don't really know. And I heard that stuff was written into Weinstein's contract. At different times, it was just like, if there's any allegations of misconduct during your involvement with this project, kind of, yeah. you're going to be negate this fee or negate this fee. So it was so widely known, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm somewhat uncomfortable with the whole thing. Well, not uncomfortable. It's just kind of like you do feel like, oh, mm. and, and yet I it's given to... a forum to loads of people to actually speak out and name and shame. And I think that's good. The reason kind of... Uh, I was mad into podcasts. It was Kevin Smith started doing a podcast years ago and I stopped listening to it because it got a bit generic and blah, blah, blah. It was called Hollywood Babylon. And uh, I just chimed into it again because I heard him talking on another podcast. And I was like, oh, is he still doing that podcast with Ralph Garman? So it well, it is and it was up to date. So it was actually the first time he'd addressed the Weinstein stuff. And he got super emotional about it. Where you were just like, Jesus, he is fucking distraught over the whole thing to think like Jesus I was involved with this guy he had no knowledge of it at all yeah. and he's really pissed off that all his films are kind of bit tainted, tainted with this like you know and he's going to try as much to kind of encourage a redress in certain things with money and royalties from films that are involved with it he'll give and blah 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 but you're just like yeah I'm curious to see where it all ends up and I don't know how he gets out of this or what the kind of Harvey yeah, yeah he's I actually, yeah, I can't really see an outcome where he's in the industry. Like if no. he if he goes on the run or if he maybe something else happens. Like yeah, I'd be very no surprised longer, if he doesn't like yeah. harm himself in some way. Like you yeah. know, you would just be kind of amazed. Um, so anyway, I suppose we'll talk about original Blade Runner. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, because if, there is. Yeah, we'll get to that because there is a scene in original Blade Runner where you're like, that's a bit rapey. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So this is this was of the time. So thirty five years ago, um, Philip K. Dick, uh, his film was adapted as uh, the original Blade Runner. Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep? Probably the most famous table quiz question ever um, in a cinema thing. Which famous uh, film was renamed this? So yeah, it's it's of a time, and like when you, I, I watched it with kind of slightly different eyes then in terms of how Rachel, like Rachel's kind of bullied in it a little bit mm. by by Deckard Har- um, Harrison Ford's character. So um, anyway, probably what the film is more notable for though wasn't its gender politics at the time, but it's more so the production design, the art design, the cinematography, the visual effects, mm. the um, music from Van Gallus, and, and the stuff. music from Van Gallus, which we'll just pump in a little bit there. Now. And Rutger Hauer, it's more so like. Um, his performance as I can't remember the name of the the the, the Blade Runner he play or the the replicant he plays. Um. Yeah, Roy Roy Batty. Oh, so he's yeah, Roy. Fantastic in that, you know. Yeah. That's kind of you know. We should probably finish in that clip when we come to the end. You know, like I've seen moonbeams and you know. Yeah, it is good. So I am going to take this little clip just to put us in the mood and uh, take a breath. Yeah. Um. This is the replicant test, which I thought they revisited in a really brilliant way in twenty forty nine. Um, this is just is she a replicant and yeah she's a replicant isn't she I'm impressed how many questions does it usually take to spot one I don't get it Tyrell how many questions 20 30 cross referenced it took more than a hundred for Rachel didn't it she doesn't know she's beginning to suspect I think suspect how can it not know what it is commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. Rachel is an experiment, nothing more. We began to recognize in them strange obsession. After all, they are emotionally inexperienced with only a few years in which to store up the experiences which you and I take for granted. If we gift them with the past, we create a cushion or pillow for their emotions and consequently we can control them better. Memories. You're talking about memories. So very nice. They brought Rachel back for 2049, which was a bit weird. Yeah, I wondered. I kind of wanted to see a making of if they did that. Did they get someone who kind of looked like her? And then no, mapped. the actress did it, and then they just did CGI. Oh wow! Okay, apparently. cool. Yeah, right. I, as as far as I know. So anyway, the big question, and we still don't actually have an answer, um, is whether Deckard is a human or a replicant. Uh, he's me, a replicant. Oh, to me, he's a human. Like oh, when okay. I when I. I kind of remember when, because I watched the the original recently before going to see 2049, and I was just like, yeah, in my head, I was like, yeah, because there's a big thing of Harrison Ford is a replicant. And then I'm watching the film, and I was like, no, he's he's a human. Like, wh- where did this come from? And it's the scene where Rachel says to him, have you ever done one of these tests? And he's like, eh. but to me, I was just like, all right. in Because in my head, I, I had a concrete thing where it's just like, it's up there for me with like, oh, Shane's really dead at the end of the film in the Western Shane. Hmm. To me, it's just like, oh no, Harrison Ford's a replicant. But I was like, no, he's not. Like to me, he's like a human. I took it as he, and he has, has to, to be a human it. if yeah. the second one makes sense. No, it can hardly be two, two replicants. But no, I thought that was why the second one worked because two replicants oh, okay. were introduced. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's the most. It's kind of like I don't know. it doesn't really matter argue. either. Ridley yeah. Scott says uh, he is. He also aged very elegantly, and obviously was one of the first replicants then not to have the four year thing built mm. in does that make I, any sense yeah I went to see 2049 twice and the first time I saw that when Harrison turned up I was like oh fuck off and it was like the first joke in the film too and I was just like are you just like a 
comic relief now in every film mm. but the second time i saw it i was just like ah he's actually with not the too context bad. of yeah. watching the first yeah but i hate the last scene in 2049 uh with the, the oh yeah yeah why did he get to live i think it's a nod to arrival is he trying to make some cyclical because oh. doesn't she do i thought that about the... arrival quite a bit during 2049 just yeah. as a like the philosophy of it all and what we mm. what we all are but like, anyway. not too much happens in the original Blade Runner. like it, no so i'm gonna put it out there that there's a lot it's not actually a great film like if you read the script it's not like this mm. it's kind of shite a lot of it like that scene really doesn't work the relationship between Deckard and Rachel isn't really developed enough for you to believe that it happens, he would like, end in, everything over the space of two minutes kind yeah. of so it's and then dead. Roy's weird improvised soliloquies are kind of bonkers but the reason it's so influential is because it brought us like the likes of Total Recall um, the Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams on a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Channel 4, and all that stuff and like brought his visions and his world um, and why is view. the future Japanese? Yeah, you all kind the of for- Asian. Yeah, well, there's yeah. no black people in these movies. Um, oh, yeah. You kind of forget when you're watching the first So one, not only do like, women have a, an yeah. issue, but something goes wrong racially as well, I think. Um, yeah. At some point. Yeah, and then... Well, the West Coast of America has huge influence from Yeah, from more Asia, so but, San Francisco in my head would be the standout one. And then yeah. you're like, oh, no, this is set in California. Yeah, well, the book is... Yeah, it is California, yeah. And mm. the book was, what, San La- Angeles, where they just... The two cities merged into one, I think. I don't know. That's a good tip. It. It's a good tip. It. There's a you can watch on YouTube. Um, uh, on the edge of Blade Runner, I think that's what it's called. Uh, and it's a really good making of with the various writers because like there's a big story about the the different writers who contributed to it. People who talk about Douglas Turnbull's uh Turnbull's visual effects and all that. So um, you can watch all that. You can read a lot about. It. I think the world around the film is is possibly more um worthwhile than actual film mm. is that like a, is that so, like a sacrilege is that crazy yeah. you know it's kind of cool to think in like another 30 years how when we've played under 2079 what's that going to look like um, are we just going to close yeah. our eyes and see the film or something <laughs> it will just be there or maybe in our minds. it's happening now I don't know anyway oh, but like plugged into the matrix by then yeah but still yeah I've a huge amount like I was trying to think the first time I saw it and I was like oh we watched it in college and I fell asleep and then watch it again another time. And I was like, oh, very good. And then I watched... So I've only seen the original Blade Runner three times. Yeah. Seen... That's quite a lot. For, it's it's quite know, a lot for film, but for... That you're not that mad on it. Yeah, the... but I was like, oh, no, I know, I, I appreciate it. And I mean, the various versions, but it, it lends itself to so much philosophical kind of thinking and reading behind yeah. all this stuff of like, which, which version is better? And like the voiceover. Have you ever seen any of the clips with the original... The first, the one that came out in the cinema has Deckard doing a voiceover, and there's a different ending, and they're driving away after the lift. And it's the most, yeah. I think the studio forced them to bundle it in, and it's very weird. It would have been a terrible film. That's why it probably didn't do any Mm. business because they just tried to spell out that you know there's there's an actual voiceover, um, that where it goes. I knew she had only four more years, and the clock was ticking down. So the like, new oh. film apparently is bombing as well to a degree. Like it's not doing, it's not a flop by any means, but it's yeah. not accelerating. But like, and to me, you're like, oh, what's this about? It was like, watch the trailer for it. People who are not in films are not going to go see this. There's yeah. no big explosions. There's no, it's really droney kind of that, you know, brilliant soundtrack. But it's just kind of like, now, why would a mass, like, because when we're talking about blockbusters here, we're talking about Americans. So why would a mass American audience fucking go see this? Yeah. You know? Yet to break the eighty million dollars mark, you know, and uh, you can't imagine it have much impact in 
in the Asian market. But I don't think it cost that much. Like, I kind of think on my it, head, it's about one hundred and thirty. No, I don't know. It's what was its budget? Yeah, that's what it cost. One hundred and fifty, okay. and it's currently made one hundred and sixty. So, <laughs> I mean, you'll eventually yeah break even, um, and that's kind of scary. But I do from watching it, Denis Villeneuve, you do. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm buying what he's selling all the time. Like I do think mm. it deserved to find his audience. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than Arrival for me. It was, be- I think it's better than the original, definitely. Uh, yeah, like there, you know, I, mm, they, they, I actually don't think it's fair to kind of compare them. I think they complement yeah, each other. Yeah, because they're two, yeah, technically different. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, dodge a bullet there. Yeah. Um, anyway, so will we finish up with a bit of Roy's? Uh, yeah, why not? Philosophical kind of mumbling. So, and um, we've another. This is obviously Blade Runner twenty forty nine still in cinemas. You'll be able to catch it there. Um, the original Blade Runner you can watch on Blu ray, and I don't know where it is on I'll any give you on demand DVD. If you yeah, want, use you the know. DVD. And you'll find it online, obviously, and you can read, find a million YouTube explainer videos on why Deckard is not a replicant. Yeah. Um, but here's Roy, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams. Glitter in the dark near the ten hours of gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.